Welcome to Beyond the Plates, industry talks by Le Cordon Bleu. In this podcast, we get some real insight into the food and hospitality industry from a variety of renowned chefs, industry experts, and Le Cordon Bleu alumni. Join us as we hear the fascinating stories and unique experiences behind some of the best known names in the industry. Today, we are delighted to be joined by Laura Dove, Director of International Operations at Albright. Uh, welcome and thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Laura, you're a Le Cordon Bleu alumna. Um, what drew you to come to Le Cordon Bleu London? Um, I've always been actively engaged in hospitality. My family travelled extensively and we lived abroad. So early on I understood the importance of bringing people together over food and wine the sense of community and interaction it brings. Each country has their traditions and custom around food, but you always end up around the table conversing and laughing. It's the highlight of anyone's day, so to do that for work and for pleasure is an absolute privilege. I ended up at Le Cordon Bleu after already receiving my bachelor's degree in hospitality management in the States. I didn't feel I learned all that I could, so I came to London and joined the program. Fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit about your career from graduating from Le Cordon Bleu to now? Yes. Um, so I had a want to focus solely on openings. It wasn't done in those days. You tended to join a company, work your way up, and then apply to get involved with a new asset. But I wanted to travel and get involved in different experiences and concepts as hospitality is so broad. If you looked at my CV in those days, I used to get questioned about my commitment issues as I took on projects all around the world, moving countries every year. During an opening, I can easily work months without days off or 20-hour days to meet the demand of an opening timeline, so you actually are more committed than most. But however, I love the creative vision that has to come together in such a granular level where it translates to what salt and pepper shakers go on the table after finishing a $100 million build-out. There's a lot of trust in those relationships and the bonds you make during an opening are lifelong. So my career has taken me from Sydney to Los Angeles to London and beyond. It's what I envisioned 20 years ago when established restaurateurs told me that it actually wasn't possible. But now it's much more mainstream and companies value experience over years served. So what drove you towards operations rather than the culinary side of the industry? Um, it was actually a very specific uh, incident mm. that led me to flip over from one side to the other. So I was working pastry, which sometimes meant a 5 a.m. start time or a late shift, so you're the last out. Mm. And you wait to always hear if the final tables are going to order dessert so mm. that you can close your station. And sometimes you'd be standing there and the front of house had forgotten to tell you that the tables had already left. So after pulling a 15-hour day, you don't really find it amusing, especially when that's repeated. Um, so I decided that I wanted to be involved in what was happening out there on the floor. Um, I was quite shy, but I went for it anyway. So during school, I started as a busser and then I worked my way up. Um, but my drive on the floor is to have a team that's well connected and in sync between the front and the back of house members. So my front of house gets involved in menu changes and culinary gets involved in service. It has to be a holistic approach to be proud of what you offer and to be successful. So everyone needs to contribute. Fantastic. I think, yeah, definitely more people need to think in those terms, mm -hmm. I'm sure. So, 
Albright has a unique position as a female-centric private members club. What drew you to this role? Yes, so I met the founders Anna and then Debbie through a mutual friend while I was working in New York. Um, we talk about serendipitous moments all the time in Albright and that moment was one for me. I was thinking about what I wanted my career to evolve into. I still wanted to grow brands and offer wonderful food and service in beautiful environments, but I wanted a bit more substance to the mission. Um, so at Albright, it's all about community. Our members are the most inspiring women you'll ever meet. Why do you feel that it was necessary for a more female-focused club? Yeah, it's an excellent question. So we're not here to say that men are not welcome or to alienate 50% of the population. Um, men are allowed as guests, and we love the sense of pride that a member, when they bring in their coworkers, their friends, or their family into the club. It's a female-centered members club in order to give women the breathing space where they can focus on themselves and primarily their careers. We have extremely high engagement and use of our club spaces. We run more programming and networking than most clubs do. And we have hundreds of successful stories of members who are powerhouses in their respective careers. They've launched successful companies and brands. So this club is for them. That's so good to hear. So beyond being female focused, Albright has a thoroughly modern approach with a digital platform featuring NFTs and online learning resources. Why do you think being ahead of the curve is so important and have you seen other clubs doing this? Pre-COVID, we were on a rapid growth plan for clubs, which many other clubs are. But during lockdown, we transitioned online and created our digital platform. Our community is actually now half a million strong of women around the world. Coming out of COVID, it was apparent that funding for female businesses had actually decreased and statistics for women leaving the workforce had increased. So for us, this was unacceptable. So we find that being first at the table creates a path for more women to get engaged. We like to take risks and primarily start conversations in male-dominated areas so that we can create spaces for women within them. Fantastic. But how do you balance all aspects of the business? Um, so our duty is to our members, our team, and our board. You have to constantly align your vision with what can be accomplished with the resources you have. We have huge ambitions and there are so many markets where more women need support. So our goal is to enter many more markets, but we are obviously on a journey to get right what we actually have to offer. Absolutely, I mean, you have to spend the time to ensure exactly. that things are successful. So let's talk a little bit about the hospitality industry. We heard earlier that you have a wealth of experience working in hospitality. What changes have you seen over the years? Um, I can't pretend that the industry has been easy in general or easy for women. Over the years, many women that I trained with from school or early on in my career have left the industry of floor operations and worked in parallel capacities such as sales and marketing or supply chain um, once they chose not to maintain the hours demanded of them in full-time operations. So the lack of long-term career-invested people in this industry has proven that we need to create an industry that's appealing to candidates as it is to the consumers that we are serving. So there's been a lot of talk recently about hospitality readdressing the work-life balance of employees, especially due to the pandemic. What impact have you seen from this? Um, well, the pandemic brought this issue forward for all industries. At the end of the day, when people are out, traveling, shopping, dining, that's when all guest-facing roles need to be at work. 
So it's our job to be there for our customers. Most non-hospitality companies, as you know, have maintained their policies of working from home as the new normal. But hospitality can't be as flexible as that, but we try in our ways. So at Albright, we close on bank holiday weekends and then a week over Christmas where the entire company shuts down and everyone's away from the business. Um, but the more society feels that hospitality is a worthwhile career opportunity, the more candidates we'll have and then schedules will see relief and we can rebalance in a way that we could not before COVID. But first, I think we all need teams. Now, in terms of gender equality and diversity, do you feel hospitality has turned a corner or is there still a long way to go? Yeah, so I find this a really hard question to answer as it's a personal question to everyone. It depends on your circumstances and the work culture that you're part of. Um, I'm blessed to still have grandmothers that made it to their hundreds, so I'm very familiar with their stories about not even being allowed a career or an education to take them that far. So for me, within two generations, I am the change that they hope for, and I get to choose my work and my environment. Um, on a corporate level, though, there are many companies making great strides with their culture, their training, the roles available, and the benefits they're offering. But on a global level, we have a long way to go. Certain societies first must accept equality and diversity before we can make changes within hospitality. So finally, what are your predictions or hopes for the future of hospitality? Oh, well, let's see, the hopes are really strong. So coming out of the last few years that we all have, um, my hope is that we get a lot more support from our local governments to incentivize this industry. Um, examples in the UK would be a visa process that's a lot easier to get the workforce into London that so desperately wants to be part of this city and this yeah. community. Um, national internship programs and training courses instead of every school and every business going at this on their own. Um, I think if we increase the volume of our workforce, then other areas such as training and work-life balance can fall into place with those who are currently here. Absolutely. And are there any key trends on your radar? Yes. Um, I think that most people currently are focused on bringing back their business from a really challenging period in history, and it seems that it's not quite over yet. But the main key trend, this is not really about the season's cocktail, but the areas that need more conversations in the spotlight. So we have scientists, chefs, farmers, and documentary filmmakers all trying to highlight the immediate need for change and how we treat our supply chain and the land which provides for us. So education for the public on our food sources, legislature around our food and soil health for scientific and has to be scientific and not political. Mm. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your insights with us. It's been really fascinating to chat. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Plate, Industry Talks by Le Cordon Bleu. Keep up to date with all our news and episodes by following us on social media or by signing up to our newsletter. Links are included in the episode notes. Until next time, a bientôt.